Welcome to iTalk. For Brookside Optometric Group, I'm Brent Critchfield. We're all spending more time on our computers, and all of that time gives our eyes an all-day workout. In this episode of iTalk, Dr. Bob Melrose and Dr. Yolanda Shear discuss how computer glasses work and how they can help reduce the continual strain on your eyes. Then, Dr. Bob sits down with Mark Kalonico from the Stockton Corral to learn more about the Corral's history and what it brings to our local community. But first, here's Dr. Bob Melrose with what's new in eye care. Hello again, this is Dr. Bob Melrose from the Brookside Optometric Group, here to talk to you about some latest changes in the field of vision care and whatnot. Uh, One thing I want to talk about today is that there's a new study out that shows that cataract surgery may be linked with the lessened possibilities of dementia. The uh, studies that have been done now uh, by the University of uh, School of uh, University of Washington School of Medicine show that uh, the longitudinal study of over three thousand participants that people that had cataract surgery had a thirty percent decreased risk of dementia uh, from basically all causes than those who had not had cataract surgery, and they are looking at as to why this is the case. One of the biggest uh, contributors seems to be that once you have uh, cataracts forming, it's just a clouding of the lens inside the eyes. It happens to all of us. If you have enough birthdays, God rewards you with a cataract. The uh, the fact that the retina is getting less stimulation, you're getting less uh, good quality information coming to the eyes, simply by getting that barrier out of the way and allowing the eyes to see the world uh, more sharply and clearly stimulates the brain better, which uh, then increases activity and decreases dementia. The uh, Also, we've heard a lot of talk about blue light, uh, how horrible it is and bad it is and all, but there may actually be some benefit to having some blue light, and cataracts will block off blue light from reaching the retina, and by having, and blue light does regulate sleep patterns and um, uh, helps with cognition, that by removing the cataract, you get a little bit more blue light stimulation of the retina, which will wake up the types of cells that help with uh, cognition and whatnot. So the good news is, uh, if, you have, if you're facing cataract surgery, uh, look at the bright side. You'll have a 30% less chance of dementia after having the cataract surgery. And if you're not looking at cataract surgery, just wait. One of these days, you will be. Again, thank you very much for listening. Our computer-centric world places a lot of stress on our eyes, and more and more people are turning to computer glasses to help alleviate some of the strain. Dr. Yolanda Shear explains how these lens designs can take over some of the work that causes your eyes to fatigue. Hello again, this is Dr. Bob Melrose. We're here today to talk about an aspect of eye care that has been getting um, much more attention these days simply because of the changing in lifestyles that we're living and whatnot with the pandemic, with the amount of computer work that people are doing, etc. Computer glasses have become more of a uh, common item these days as opposed to a specialty item. And Dr. Yolanda Scher is here to discuss a little bit with you about uh, the different ways you can use glasses for the computers. So Yolanda, uh, first of all, thank you for coming and uh, being here today. But tell us about computer eyewear and what it does for patients. Oh, well, thanks for having me, Dr. Bob. 
Um, so nowadays, there are many options um, for different types of computer lenses and lens designs. So yeah, so the way that we use our eyes now, we, you know, we find ourselves not only just being in the pandemic, um, which has really put us in front of our screens even that much more, but our whole world is being centered around um, computer monitors and screens. Um, so our, our, the demands on our eyes have changed. So we've expanded um, our, our lens options, um, or the industry has expanded the lens options. So, so with, uh, with computer work, um, what I always let, uh, tell patients is that the, uh, the act of seeing things off in the distance, that's a passive process. The vision just happens. But when we go to read, what, what's going on? What, what mechanism is happening with the eyes? So when we're going to read, um, well, some of it is dependent upon our age, of course. But um, in the younger eye, we're actually having to um, draw on the demand of our focusing system. So we're using our eyes. Our eyes are working to focus at near distances. Um, and it's like using, I liken it to using a muscle. Um, so like when you're lifting something, but this is with your eyes and it would be kind of like lifting a light weight all day long when you're just looking and staring at a screen. And over time, even though that weight might be light, it, your, your muscle starts to fatigue with time. And so then your eyes start to go blurry and you get, you can experience eye strain, watery eyes, headaches, um, lots of different symptoms. So glasses that are designed for computer use can help alleviate some of that demand or that that lifting that your eyes are doing um so yeah i often use the analogy too that i don't care how good a shape you're in if you're Dwayne the rock johnson and you're jogging in place all day you're going to get tired your eyes are going to your eyes are going to let you feel it and so uh the the computer uh, computer glasses in general then they're offering a uh, uh, they're doing some of the heavy lifting so how are they doing that definitely so again so depending upon your prescription um, and the way your eyes function there are different lens designs that help your eyes do some of the focusing either some of the focusing for you and sometimes it's the majority of the focusing for you again dependent upon your age and and uh, your prescription um so the lens just relax helps to uh relax the muscles in your eye for that particular viewing distance um when you come in to see the eye doctor um the doc your eye doctor will likely um, ask you many questions about your workstation, uh, the working distance that um, the working distance where your computer screen is to your eyes, um, whether or not you're working on a desktop or a laptop, um, the size of your monitor, your yeah, so se several several different um, variables there, and then the doctor will likely measure your working distance from your eye to your screen, or you may have multiple screens. And so there may be uh, multiple different viewing distances. And so based upon your situation, then the doctor can design you that specific specific glasses that will work for your needs. Yeah, so one size doesn't fit all. Correct. 
And so going into that, you know, there are different lens designs um, for computer glasses. So there are single vision lenses where the full lens is focused for that particular viewing distance. And you'll have a bit of a range. Um, and, but when you usually when you get up to walk around, you'll have to take those glasses off. Um, and there's also uh, bifocals with a line where the doctor can prescribe through the top part of the lens. It will be set for the viewing distance from your eye to your screen. And then the bottom part may be stronger so you can see the, the finer print um, on documents and, and labels or what, whatever the fine print that is that you need to see. And then there's a third um, type of a lens that we use actually quite a bit now. It's um, becoming more and more um, popular. Um, they're called office lenses. And an, the benefit of an office lens is that it gives you some distance of viewing where you could look maybe five feet away, six feet away, and actually have a conversation with another individual. Um, and the, you can keep your glasses on and then you can also look to the screen and they can be used to look down and see smaller print. So it's kind of like having, it's not like a traditional, what I would call a progressive lens. Progressive lenses, those are the type of lens where it, those actually have hundreds of focal points in that one lens where it just gradually changes power going from the top for a long distance, gradually goes into intermediate zone, and then down to the bottom for reading. But those that particular lens, it's those are can be challenging to use on the screen because the intermediate zone there is usually very limited. Um, it's just just a just a very uh, small window, and so my patients oftentimes they're they're trying to find that spot, and they're oftentimes kind of tilting their head back a bit, and even with that, it's not in complete focus. And so by the end of the day, they're getting eye strains with their general progressives. I have to admit this rather embarrassingly so, but I often tell patients if they need progressives in general, let's try that first in order to see if if that gets done, you have one less thing to worry about in life, one thing to carry around with you, things like that. I had monovision surgery with my LASIK surgery years ago. I'm 65. And it has served me very, very well. But since I am 65, my near vision is not as crisp as it used to be. So I decided to follow my own advice, get a pair of natural progressives or regular progressives. And God almighty, did I hate them. I couldn't see that I couldn't get to the right spot. I was fighting a bit where to find it. I always tell people there's an invisible hourglass in the uh, progressives, and the stem of the hourglass is where your intermediate zone was, and that just was not cutting it for me. Went ahead and got one of the uh, uh, office lenses, as you mentioned, and just love it. Uh, much wider viewing area, much easier to, to do the things that I want to do with it. And yet, if I want to look up and see the television or something, if I'm working on the couch, uh, I'm not sitting there having to look over the top of the glasses or pull them down. So an incredibly uh, beneficial lens type. Yeah, I, I I fully agree. I have a pair myself, and I use them in my house, and I do the same thing where I'm sitting on my couch, look up at the TV, and then I can be working on my iPad um, doing work. Um, and they, 
they, they work beautifully in small spaces. I have some patients that actually use them for cooking um, because they're in the kitchen and then they've got that mid-distance range and then they can also look at um, ingredients for um, their their dish of the night. Well, I think too, I think I, I've always been sensitive and I think most of the doctors, or all the doctors in our practice are that you know, you hear horror stories of people going to the eye doctor and coming out and they have glasses for distance, glasses for near, glasses for both, glasses for spelunking and for playing the piano, even though they don't spelunk or play the piano. Spelunking is cave exploring for those people who are looking at their dictionaries right now or they are Googling it. And yet the, the computer glasses are a very uh, sensible and... Uh, they did, they just do more than the other glasses do and much more comfortable. Yes, I yeah, I agree and I I have patients that I've, you know, spoken to for many years and a year on, in on end and have recommended they get separate computer glasses because they will come in and their complaint, I'll look back, is the same complaint that they've had year after year and that's that they're having trouble with their vision on the computer tired eyes and then we'll go into the conversation and i'll i i have patients and who have called me and they're like they finally have gotten the pair they come they come back and they're like or they'll call me and they're like oh my gosh i cannot believe that i waited and didn't do this years after you've been telling me and so they're like thank you and so yeah they have they're they're thrilled to, to have them but they have they're just looking back going why did i wait so if they're recommended, people, please don't think that someone's just trying to show something down your throat. These things really do an amazing job and uh, do something that truly a regular progressive can't do or a regular bifocal can't do. Mm-hmm. This is this is true. And they, they're just making these lenses better and better. Um, we're getting more options with them. The, the clarity of the lens um, is improving. Um, so adaptation is typically very fast. Um, so, and then you know, and I did. I do want to talk a little bit too about just adding, you know, blue blue light protection sure. on there. Um, you know, for me, those two things kind of go hand in hand when I'm when I'm prescribing computer glasses um, and discussing that with a patient. Um, I always talk about blue light um, blocking. And we know that the studies do show that um, blue light um, does affect our circadian rhythm, so our sleep patterns, um, especially if you're viewing um, your phone or a device within an hour before sleep. Um, there's research going on and uh, related to it, does blue light contribute to even eye health issues? And we don't know the conclusive answers to that yet um but you know that's coming down the pipeline so in my mind you know blue the blue light blocking filter definitely um you know it 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 has the effect of you know reducing glare but also helping with your you know sleep patterns perhaps reducing eye fatigue um, just because it, it kind of dims the lighting a bit it doesn't make it as bright um, and and who knows it, it we may find out down the road that it may have some eye health benefits we don't know yet 
I often ask my patients, if they have difficulty sleeping, uh, if they do get on any type of device within an hour or two before going to bed, uh, absolutely give the blue light a try. Um, like everything else, I've had patients that have tried it, and they go, eh. And I've had patients that have gotten it and said, oh, my God, my eyes feel amazing. So I think it's a uh, it's another extremely good tool in our armamentarium to help people out with this, and we shall see the uh, overall effects of it with time. Well, thank you very much for coming out today to talk to us about these lenses. Uh, I, I always tell people that if you haven't tried a regular progressive in four or five years because you had difficulty with them several years ago and they didn't work out, uh, the improvements are incredible these days with these new computer-generated lenses, as well as the original uh, uh, computer uh, progressives were um, adequate, but now they're actually outstanding. Mm -hmm. So don't let the past scare you. Well, again, thank you very much, and uh, that's our little discussion about what's new in optometry with iTalk. We appreciate you listening. Thank you. Our entire team of Brookside Optometric Group is incredibly invested in our community, and we're constantly looking for ways to promote the many things that make Stockton such a great place to live. The Stockton Corral is one of those things, providing an outlet for arts and entertainment, both for those who attend and those who participate in the Corral. Join Dr. Bob Melrose as he visits with Mark Kalonico to learn more about the Corral, their history, how they've navigated COVID, and their engagement in the city of Stockton. Well, again, this is Dr. Bob Melrose for iTalk for the Brookside Optometric Group. And today we are uh, highlighting an incredible group of singers that we have here in the Stockton area, the Stockton Corral, with Mark Kalanico. And he is the, fill me in on the exact title you have with the Corral. Oh, I'm the president. That's what we thought. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Hail to the chief. So, <laughs> <laughs> Mark, so... Tell us a little about the, about the corral. How long has it been in existence, et cetera, et cetera? Sure. This is our 70th anniversary year. Uh, we started in 1952 as a double octet, and the program has grown over the last 70 years. Uh, it's, it's waxed and waned. We currently have about, uh, during this post-COVID or uh, post-COVID period, we have about 65 singers total, adult singers, and we have about 30 youth in our in our program it's grown from a adult choir only to having uh six groups currently that we wow. support we have three three youth groups and we have three adult groups so over the last 15 years um i've been involved as a singer since 2002 and we have grown to try to accommodate more singers we have this tagline that says anybody between the ages of 8 and 90 can find a place to sing in our group. We have everything from non-audition groups all the way up to chamber groups that require quite a bit of musical knowledge and ability. And a similar type of thing with our youth program. So um, we try to serve a range of singers. We certainly sing a variety of, of music. And there's something for everybody in our organization if you enjoy singing. 
Oh, that's fantastic. Now, I'll give you one guarantee. I won't ever try out for the corral because whenever I start to sing, people call the SPCA and wonder who's torturing a cow. So that won't happen. But uh, tell us about um, uh, how, how did COVID affect you guys? Well, um, COVID affected us in a, in a couple of different ways. It provided a series of opportunities we did not expect. Um, for example, my sister, who's legally blind, has never come to one of our concerts, but she attended every one of our virtual concerts. On sort of a whim, my wife, who directs all of the youth groups, talked to her son, who um, had been laid off from his job in the Bay Area. Now, her son is a uh, has a degree in sound engineering, and he said, hey, mom, why don't we try to have kind of a fun family virtual singing experience so we did a cover of a billy joel song and then my wife says well could we do something similar with my youth group because we expected after we shut down on march 13th of 2020 we expected to be shut down for three four weeks max and then as it really closed in um we did not want to we didn't we didn't want to lose the kids and so we started working with um with the treblemakers uh, which is the which is the young group the um, the uh, fourth or eighth grade group, and that group actually recorded "Thank You Very Much," and in May we released that as a thank you to first responders and healthcare workers. Oh wow! Then what happened was that our artistic director, Dr. Bruce Southerd, who's also the director of choral studies at Delta College said, why don't we get our master chorale group together during the summer and let's see if we can develop a template for what the fall might look like. And so the master chorale got together. We cut a couple of recordings, one of an Italian uh, madrigal and one of Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles. And so by the time fall came around, uh, probably about 40 singers decided to try this uh, this virtual experience. Well, from September to May last year, we lost about 10 of our singers. For some people, um, it, was, it was just so difficult to manage the technology. For other people, it was difficult to manage the music because they didn't have somebody in their left and right ear helping them. Um, so we had, uh, we, although we had dwindling numbers, um, my wife's son uh, did all the sound engineering. His fiance did a lot of the artistic work to blend in. So we had this audiovisual kind of a thing that created a library of, it's got to be over 100 pieces of music now that we can put up on YouTube, we can use for advertising, we can use it for, um, for, no for notification of special holidays, special events. We have music we can offer as sort of a Christmas card, a New Year celebration, Martin Luther King, President's Day, Memorial Day, Fourth of July. It's, it's, you know, for some of those major holidays and major observances in our, in, in our country, We've got some great things that we can offer. And and we would have never done this had it not been for COVID. Yeah, I think the whole COVID uh, pandemic, and we're crossing our fingers, hopefully, on the tail end of that at this stage of the game, but we'll see how it happens, uh, forced everyone to get more creative, a little bit more pivoting, a little bit more uh, how do we take care of the people that we, we service, because we all service someone. Uh, and those that got creative... Um, did well. The ones that didn't get creative, uh, not so much. 
Well, and and I, I have to give a major shout out to our contributors, um, our sponsors, and our donors who stepped up this entire time. It's it's actually more expensive to produce a virtual choir concert than it is to do one in person. Um, you have to you have to blend together twenty or thirty different videos, sync them up. Um, put together the, uh, you have to remaster everything and then you have to put the art in behind it. Then you have to blend the whole thing together. Well, as part of this, we also developed a relationship with a company in Silicon Valley called Feel It Live. And because of the success they had during the pandemic with choir groups, they've pivoted so that they're now focusing on choral music for high schools, colleges, of nonprofits like us, uh, and even professional choir groups that you can basically go to their website and select experiences you want to view and you can, you can see these concerts. So as an outgrowth of what we did during the pandemic, our fall concert, our Christmas concert, and our upcoming concerts in both March and May are all going to be live streamed. Oh, fantastic! And so we had we had a great live streaming experience in October. We had a terrible one in December, um, and we're looking forward to having a better one in March and again in May. So, so yeah, the, there were lots of opportunities for us. We also we also realized that that one of the major major attractions to our organization is the social aspect, is that once people were sitting at home by themselves trying to record music, for a lot of them that just wasn't satisfying. They really wanted to be back together. And so when we did start in-person rehearsals back in August, we our board made a policy that everybody had to be vaccinated, we had to wear masks, we had to stay socially distant, we purchased two um, air scrubbers that we put into the rehearsal, uh, the rehearsal venue. Um, we had some very generous support from Cherokee Memorial Park, who basically said you can use one of our one of our chapels free of charge, which allowed us to save a boatload of money, but also to have a, a wide open space. And so we had about 40 singers return out of our 55. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. That's fantastic. And then... Um the, the season coming up, uh, how far along are we in your season this year? How many more concerts? We have a, a concert on March 6th at Atherton Auditorium. It's going to feature um, Joseph Haydn's uh, Nelson Mass. It's, uh, it's, it was his final Mass that he wrote, and he wrote it in the late 1700s. If you think of what's happening historically at the time, you've got the American Revolution, you've got the French Revolution, you've got Bonaparte trying to you know take over the world, and um, and I believe Haydn was Austrian, and so there had been the the mass uh, the English translation is mass in in uh, mass in time of time of angst, and so it was intended to be a very inspirational mass. Um, it is an extremely emotional piece. It's really fun to sing, but it's going to be it, it's one of the more dramatic pieces other than an opera that I've done in the you know 19 years that I've been singing oh that's exciting yeah. and not that we're in a time of angst or anything oh like no, that, right? no no not, not at all, all. <laughs> right. so. the uh and is that going to be in, uh, linked with the symphony, or is that separate from the symphony? No, we're going to contract. We, we have contracted with our own orchestra. It's going to be a, um, a collaboration uh, between the Stockton Chorale and uh, Delta College 
uh, choir group. So we'll have about 70, 75 singers up on stage and we'll have a small orchestra. Um, and, uh, I think it's 22 or 23 instrumentalists. So yeah, it won't be done with the symphony. We did do that collaboration back in December when we did, um, the Christmas portion of Handel's Messiah. Um, Which was, by the way, outstanding. Morozzi and I were there and just absolutely loved it. Well, thank you. It was a singing handle. It's, it's, it's so regal. It's so incredible. It's, it's just a beautiful piece of music. Um, but, but it's, and it, it lends itself to some amazing soloists. Um, the, the, um, the choral portion of it is just, it's really fun to sing and you can just let loose without one. So it's a lot of fun. Now, uh, if someone wanted to uh, get tickets, how would they find tickets for that? That's a great question. You have a couple of options. Um, sh- uh, we will be having tickets available through the Delta box office um, at Delta College. So you can go online. That's a very easy way to do that. You can also contact the Corral office to purchase tickets. Our website is www.stocktoncorral.org. You can also call our office at 209-951-6494 and we can help you we can help you access tickets. Tickets are available at Delta College uh, two hours before curtain, which is 3:30. We encourage people if you're gonna wait till the last minute to pick up your tickets, get there early. What happened in December is that our start of our concert was delayed almost 20 minutes because the line was so long going into. That's a good to problem have to have. To, though. Yeah, it's a great problem to have. You're right, but it's uh, it makes for the audience get a little squirmy. So, <laughs> and I'm I haven't I haven't been on the uh, Corral website for quite a while, but I'm mm-hmm. also betting probably good money here that somewhere on that website there's a donate button for the Corral. Is that right? Well, very good because I know it's a. You guys do an incredible job. You've been here for. Uh, and when did when did it first start again? Nineteen fifty two. So this is our seventieth season. Yeah. No, we first heard the crowd when we came out to Stockton here in uh, eighty two, and uh, just wonderful programs and uh, wonderful community involvement. And again, these are the, the types of things that so many people in our town have no clue we have available for folks. And uh, one of the uh, as we talked about before we started recording that. You know, part of the goal of the of this segment of our podcast is just to let people know all of the incredible choices we have. And if and if you're saying there's nothing to do here, uh, you're not paying attention. <laughs> I 100% agree. I think there's some great hidden gems in in this city for entertainment. Um, we're one for sure, but we have a we have a phenomenal symphony orchestra. Um, we have some great sports opportunities. I don't know that there's a there's a better family opportunity than going to a sports game um, and watching minor league baseball. I mean, it's it's to me those are great things. We have we have minor league hockey, and if you're a hockey fan, there's you know the the Stockton Heat's a wonderful group. The Stockton um, Stockton Civic, the, our, our local theater group, they're amazing too. We have some incredible high school and college and university musical programs, drama programs. You're right. If, if if you think there's nothing to do in Stockton, you're just not looking very Yeah, you're hard. not paying attention. Yeah. Well, I really want to thank you for coming out today to talk to us about the corral. And I would Thanks encourage anyone who's who's listening to this, you know, uh, get tickets. At, it was March 6th? Is the yes, date? March okay. 6th, Sunday. And our next concert will be May 22nd. That will be our 70th anniversary celebration concert. We are going to be premiering a brand new choral work. 
um, the, uh, at that May concert. Um, and uh, we also plan to have a couple of other little surprises thrown into that concert. We just don't have things inked yet. So. There you go. There you go. Well, again, thank you so much. So, folks, keep the Stockton Corral in your uh, on your list of things to do and places to see and activities to enjoy because you will not be disappointed. It's a wonderful, wonderful evening when you go. And again, thank you for your time. And thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. That's it for this episode of iTalk. We'll be back with another episode soon. But in the meantime, we'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Or you can find it on our website at brooksideoptometric.com. We'd also invite you to visit us on Facebook or Instagram, where you can stay up to date on everything that's happening in the office, as well as eye care tips and information. Thanks for joining us. And on behalf of all of us at Brookside Optometric Group, we hope you can see well, be well, and thrive. Thank you.